Listening to James Gracia was like being on one of his adventures. When you hear uh, what he had to say, you'll see exactly what I mean. He is an adventurer and always looking out for something exciting to do. He is uh, going to be venturing later on this year to climb Mount Amadablan in Nepal, 6,000 odd meters up in the air. And he explains uh, why he wants to do that and what he expects from his journey in this talk. So don't go anywhere, sit down and chill and have a listen to James Gracia. It's great to have James Gracia at home. I really wanted to chat with him um, because he's a very interesting person. He's uh, my version of Bear Grylls. In fact, I call him Bear Grylls sometimes, posts on Facebook and things. I me meto con él y digo Bear Grylls because he is a bit like that. He loves the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not a big fan of Bear Grylls, though. Seriously? <laughs> no, seriously. No. Yeah. I never... Really? And I always call you that. You uh, don't, it doesn't matter. Why? Is, is, what, uh, does, is what he does a bit... I don't know. Um, I think he's a... I mean, I, he's promoted the, the outdoors for sure. He, he, he works with a scout. He's a scout, like yeah, you, exactly. scout at the moment and, and all that. And all that, all that's very positive. But he it, 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 it does some stuff which are over the top sometimes. What, no like, need. like squeezing the poo from yeah, a camel exactly and then that. drinking yeah, it. You're thinking, You've never done that? No. Ah, no, okay. I don't think I'll, I'll, there's ever going to be an opportunity for me to do that either. Oh, which no, is, it is a bit repulsive, but yeah. he does that for TV. I mean, I yeah, suppose exactly. he's... for TV, so it's a bit of a showman. Yeah. You know, so uh, Ray Mears, for example, is less of a showman, more yeah, down we to like earth. Actually, you know? we do like Ray Mears, Ray Mears as well. Ray much more um, grounded, I suppose. So you prefer Ray Mears. Yeah. What about people like Aldo Kane and... Um, all these other kind of Pretty mentor uh, they've all been in I the mean, army like you I quite like Steve Brackshaw uh, Steve Brackshaw, he's great yeah, yeah. Yes. I've watched a couple of his uh, expeditions and they're pretty hardcore the, the last one I watched was a, a canoeing one Okay. and yeah some of the you could see from the footage they were very, very worried about what they were... What was happening? Yeah, what was happening. So, oh, was, he, so was he all right? Did it all come out yeah, all yeah, right in the end? kind of worked out in the end. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you were uh, scared for your life? Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm, I mean, with a, with a, in the military and, and in the mountains, there's always an opportunity to be a bit concerned about things happening around you. I think you mentioned to me once that when you did or when you climbed Amadablin the last time or tried to climb Amadablin, something had happened, somebody passed away mm. while you were there. Yeah, Somebody that's that right. Knew. So, so the, the, we, as we were approaching, it took us uh, a week to walk from you, you, you walk from Lukla, which is the, the airport, so yeah. Edmund Hillary Airport, and it takes about a week to get to base camp. And you have to walk that. You can't get a, yeah. a ride no. or no. camel, no. Uh, not camels. You, you walk it. You walk it mostly up a hill. Yeah, um, and then you get to base camp, and then that's where the climbing starts. Um, the day before we arrived at base camp, we were in Pangboshe, and a rock fell, and on the Great Collier, and it hit a uh, young Australian lad, and yeah. he, he he got killed by the, that rock. While you uh, were there, whilst I was there, yeah, uh, the day we arrived, and then on our expedition, we had a guy pass away. He he made it to the top, he summited, but on the way down, it was just all too much for him, um, and um, he got pulmonary edema and and didn't survive the night. It it was at camp two, but and it was too dark. It's too technical. You can't you can't down climb if you're ill and is that something that happens quite often when you climb um it happens it happens in in any mountain that's part of the that's part of the allure the thing I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's part, part of the, the yeah. What, yeah, if it wasn't, but it's dangerous if it, if it wasn't easy anybody could do it and then 
what would it be people the point? Were, yeah. There's a lot of people doing it. There was that amazing photo that Nims Day took. Yes. I've just yeah. watched 14 Peaks. I recommend yeah. it to everyone. I think oh, you told me to watch it. And yeah, I, um, it was, I mean, the four of us sat here completely on the edge of our seat throughout the whole thing. He did the 14 Peaks in something like seven or eight months. Somebody, somebody had done six that months, in 16 six years. Days. Maybe that's it. Six months, yeah, six so, days. So the, the, the gentleman you're talking about is Reynold Messner? Is the yes, Reynold grand, Messner. Grandfather of mountaineering. He is like yeah. the epitome. He did it 16 years, without he did oxygen it. as well. And he did it without oxygen. Yeah, so this is called the Messner list now. Ah. So, so, so the, how did he do it without oxygen? Because he's a hardcore... German dude, <laughs> but but your lungs have to be yeah, made a certain way. He's to acclimatized. He's very strong. I mean, uh, uh, Reynold must be in his seventies now, but yeah, back um, in the day, yeah, it was properly, properly hardcore. How do you mentalize yourself for something like that? Um, it, it, it's knowledge dispels fear. That I think that's um, something I've always I've always believed in. Um, so if if you know. Your physical limitations and you know your equipment limitations then you're less fearful which reduces the level of panic which means that then you can deal with situations in the military we used to have a, a the reason why we do did adventurous training was to expand your your comfort zone yeah so you've got three levels you've got comfort which is like, like the core of where everybody's comfortable so at home then you've got stretch which is where you're stretching your, your ability, and then you've got panic. So you never want to be in panic. No. So the more you do this, the bigger your stretch becomes, the bigger your comfort zone so it's, becomes. it's all about pract practicing, yeah, really. Yeah, practicing situations. Yeah. And that's what um, helps you. Well, your army training, obviously, yeah, of course. has helped you. So I wanted to start, I've, I've <coughs> jumped a little bit, um, because I wanted to talk about your childhood, just to start at a point in your life. Um, you always mentioned that your dad was quite a character and quite fun from think, hearing you talk. Yeah. He had a... Dad was always very a very intelligent man, um, very well read. He would read in English and Spanish and Cervantes and Shakespeare. Mm. And he always had a quote. He would always be doing cryptic crosswords. I remember sitting at the beach watching him just write the crossword because it was just how, how did you figure that clue out you know mm. um, and he used to write poems no? and he used to write poems later on in life he used to write poems he used to like opera so you know um, whenever I hear any arias it, it reminds, re you of reminds him. me of him did he encourage your, your outdoor your love for the outdoors I suppose he did um, he, 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 I think mum and dad were always really proud of us, you know, and very, very middle class people from Glasses Estate, you know, nothing mm -hmm. special. But um, they always encouraged whatever we wanted to do. I think when I decided to join the military, they were a little bit disappointed. Why were uh, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they expected me to do, I like don't know, an office job or yeah, something? something else. Okay. And then I joined the military and... Uh, and how old were you when you joined the military? 17. So I left school. Yeah. I was never... Academic? Not really. Mm. I mean, I, I probably enjoy uh, the academic stuff a little bit more now, um, but I was never academic. I, uh, that doesn't mean I wasn't intelligent or bright, because I was, and that's why I think mum and dad were a bit disappointed that I didn't pursue university or whatever. Um, but I wasn't, I was more hands-on. I wanted to do, do things more hands-on and experiment and, and actually do instead of, of learn why. 
So you went off. So you joined the army, mm -hmm. and then you went off to where? To England. Well, to, yeah, in those yeah. days, I mean, I, mean, I was 17. So in those days, we went to the UK. Um, I did my basic training in Woolwich. Very, very cold. It was the it's 1991, so a long, long time ago. Uh, one of the coldest winters in London. Uh, it was two foot of snow in, in Woolwich Square, which is the biggest facade of a building in Europe. Wow. And you used to have to patrol around that. And so it was, yeah, very cold. Um, so that, that puts you in a good place for climbing and mountain. Yeah, you know. The snow, I, I, no, the I always, I've, I've always enjoyed the outdoors. I, I used to be in the Scouts, and, and I'm, I actually I still help out with the Scouts. So, so mm. um you know, that, I always enjoyed that, so that's where I wanted to be. So joining the army is almost a natural progression. Um, so yeah, after that, um, returned back to Jib. Um, and uh, I think the first couple of years, you, you know, you're 17, 18, interested in beer and girls, I suppose. Yeah, normal. Yeah, normal. And I suppose. But as I started to mature in the army, I realised I was quite good at it all. Um, I quite enjoyed the cold and being... Sleeping in a mud hole, I didn't mind it. Um, yes. So uh, that starts things. to be recognised, and, yeah. and you start getting sent on courses. You know, so I did a sniper course. Um, wow. Um, which is very very hard. Yeah. Um, what, then what is a sniper? I mean, learning how to kill people. Yeah, yeah. So so you you to shoot a rifle. The certain sniper skills. So have you ever killed anyone? No. Not, in, not, in in battle? Not that I know of, no. But have you ever been in battle where you've had to get the gun out? Mm. Like pointed at someone like it's, you see on the movies? Difficult question to answer because it's all very confusing. Um, so you, I, I, I went to Iraq. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what you're trained to yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. To kill. And if I had to, you know, I think I would have been prepared to do that. So I, I did a, a tour of Iraq in 2005, so again, a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. And we did a lot of patrolling, a lot of patrolling the streets. Um, I didn't directly engage the enemy, but the, 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 the enemy would shoot at us. They'd try and blow us up. Um, Who was the enemy? Insur at the time, Insurgents. it was so confusing. It was insurgents yeah. and lots of different groups mm -hmm. that would have supported Saddam Hussein or somebody else. Or I mean, when I was there, the British Army was another, another little group of tribal group, you know. And were you there with Americans and other uh, nationalities? Yeah, yeah. So we worked. We worked with the Americans. We worked with the Danish. We worked. Um, we were, we were attached with the Scots Guards Battle Group. So there was ten or ten, twelve of us, and uh, we got sent over. And we were attached to to the Scots Guard Battle Group. Who and then we were deployed to Abu Naji with the Prince of Wales Battle Group. So kind of detached to the detachment. Uh, and how long were you there? Uh, Three, four months. Well, long enough. Long enough, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure well, your we family were horrified. Muddy <laughs> as hell and well, like, that shitty. You like. and, all, yeah, that, yeah. all that you like. All that gave you like a really good training in many ways. Not teamwork, working with other, you know, being with other people, other other nationalities. All that has helped you with your with what you're doing now. In yes. the sense of absolutely, yeah. You're still an adventure maniac. I think. I think the military. You retire from the military and there's a little bit of a void. People, yeah. Some people have difficulty filling that void. Why did you retire? It was just your time uh, was up. Yeah, my time was up. So so I, I, I joined as a soldier and, and I w came up the ranks and... Um, but what was, your, what was your position, your last...? I was battalion second in command for two years um, and then I got moved 
um, to the tower as uh, which is headquarters British forces in Gibraltar and I, I was responsible <laughs> for all land training that takes part on takes place on the in rock Jim. so all the tunnels all the rangers anything else that that happens and what was your training. title yeah a major a yeah. major so, rank so, that was so that, a major. the rank yeah. is what I, yeah. yeah okay so and after so, that I would have had to go to staff college if I wanted to get to colonel and I wasn't really interested in that yeah um, so studying yeah so you you came to a point where you decided you were going to retire That's and right. then and then it was daunting yeah of course it is it's a it's a change of lifestyle but i think i was ready for it um but how I, many years did you spend in 27. the army seven wow so yeah i i decided what i what i did was i, I started taking people um <clears throat> to do uh, canyoning via ferratas and, and rock climbing in spain on the weekends once i was still serving for like a year before just as a market test to see and I thought well with my military pension because you get your pension straight away a bit of investment and um, a bit of money that I can make from taking people to have fun and and widen the horizons not all about having fun and um, you know testing your limits um, I can make enough money for a decent lifestyle so that's how I met you mm -hmm. uh, because we ha we decided to go on one of your adventures a group of us and we went canyoning I remember we went canyoning to Rio Verde yep. which was past Granada that's right yeah and that was quite, <laughs> quite I still don't know how I got through that I remember the end bit was just a bit much for my knees yeah. and mm. then it's a long they collapsed. it's like six hours in the water isn't it so the first six hours in the water yeah. in a wetsuit yeah. but you climb boulders and you and you jump from I think six meters was the highest Probably maybe more than that, yeah. really yeah Oof, I've got a video <laughs> of you going come on you can do it you go, oh, I can't I can't being a real gaggy wafer at the edge of a cliff um, and then the feeling when you just jump in there and it was, I remember, a hot day, and the, the, the cold water was so refreshing, even with the wetsuit and all your gear on. It's an amazing place, isn't it? It's, it's an amazing so, place. I recommend so it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. I'd never done anything like that. I think none of us had. So you, you, we liked it so much, we then booked you again and went to Benavis, this time with the children, because yeah. that's more accessible yeah, to, that's a lot easier, yeah. to the children. That was also great fun. Mm -hmm. And not so long. That took a couple of hours. So... Um, that's the kind of thing that you've been doing, taking people on these yeah, that's adventures right. um, and, and, and um, companies as well, hire you for like team events. And that's that. correct. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was I was doing that at the time on my own um, and it was working, um, but it was it's a lot of effort going into Spain um, ah, with with clients. Yeah, it's, it is. It's a big, big, big effort. So I, I, I went I was introduced to Tom down at uh, Sandy Bay. Tom uh, Cawthorn, yeah, Into right. Adventures. Into Adventures. We've yeah. mentioned them before on podcasts with other people that I've talked oh, to. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a few years ago now. So so I started working with him down at the down at the beach, and we developed a few products um, where there was no requirement to go into Spain really. Yeah. Um, and we could and do everything locally. So more. Um, Paddleboarding based, water based, but but you know we've got more projects that that we're developing. So so when I retired from the military, um, they give you a resettlement grant, and I used I went to Cornwall for four months. I remember and, that. Yeah, and I, what to I did train to to change my qualifications. I've done a bunch of qualifications in the military, um, outdoor stuff, mountain leader and rock climbing instructor and stuff. And what did you do in Cornwall? So I converted them to civilian qualifications. Ah. So I got my my 
rock climbing instructor uh, qualification, British Mountaineering Council stuff. And I did some kayaking and some stand-up paddleboarding. Stand-up paddleboarding I quite enjoyed, but I realised I'm, I'm not a kayaker. I, it's not for me. Hi, it's Hexal Garda from Fitness TMB. We work with men and women over 40 to get fit, lose fat, get energised and develop a powerful mindset. You can accomplish this by implementing significant changes in your habits and routines, such as optimising nutrition and mastering your sleep. I have created for the over 40s the RRE method, recondition, recharge and energise. It's a 13-week program that will enable you to find gratification in your fitness journey, as well as positively shifting your mindset and well-being. You can get in touch at heck at fitnesstmb.com or visit fitnesstmb.com. James, what do you think, what else do you think could happen in Jib? What other adventures do you think? I mean, is there more? Could yeah, you, Gibraltar's could you got a lot of, market it a, a bit more? A lot of potential um, to expand what we're doing down at the beach. Um, it doesn't all have to be next to the sea. We've got a big rock um, that we could exploit. But it's, it's a question of work, you know, working with the stakeholders and, and seeing what permissions we can and can't stakeholders get. Stakeholders meaning the government, yeah, basically the negotiating. environment, uh, heritage. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to... Tread on anyone's feet. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Or, or, or destroy anything. Or, or, you know. So I want to know a bit more about what you're doing now. You have a young family. That's you right, have yeah. a toddler. Well, yeah. he's not quite walking yet. Yeah. He was one on the 3rd of January, yes. So what's COVID that? Baby. How do you... A COVID baby. He was born when you both had COVID. Yes. That's right. But he didn't get COVID. Well, as far as we know. As far as you know, you didn't test him. No. Um, he's quite a little character. Mm -hmm. And how do you juggle your work with, well, your wife works too? She's an ICU nurse, so she does shifts. Yes. So when she's on shift, I do the parenting. And when she's part-time at the moment, so it's, it's a little bit easier. Um, yeah. so, and when I get a booking to do a lesson or a safari or a, a co-steering event, or she does the parenting. And, and then you've got quite work. a big extended family, yeah, which yeah, is so, lucky. Yeah, sisters can... Sisters and nieces or mm, somebody's, somebody's, available. Able, yeah. somebody's available to look after Rosie. Yeah. So um, you're off to what well, you'd like to do. You've told me today I'm a Dublin again. Yeah. I remember the last time I was working on a radio station and we were plugging you, in fact, talking to you while I was on the radio station, uh, talking to you while you were up the mountain, just giving people an update on what was happening because you raised quite a lot of money. That's right, yeah. At I the time. For, I, I did it for the, the dementia, the Gibraltar, That's right. Gibraltar Alzheimer's and Dementia Society. Society. Um, and yeah, we, we collected a couple of thousand pounds for them. Um, my mum was suffering with dementia at the time, so I thought it was a good yep. a good thing to do. Um, that time, like I said, we, we didn't make it. And why didn't you make it? I can't remember there's, now. There's, was it the weather? Uh, the, two reasons. So I think I mentioned it before, but um, we had a, a, a couple of casualties. So one, yes. nothing to do with, the, with our expedition. But the second one, Steve got um, pulmonary and cerebral edema on the summit and we were at base camp acclimatising um, and oh. then he didn't make it back. How would that happen? Uh, if, just, if one of those things, it could happen to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're trained, even yes. if you're yeah. Steve, ready it, for it. This guy was in a, uh, some guy off the street who was a very experienced, experienced mountaineer from Seattle. You know, so he wasn't... Yeah. 
it just happened and he just wasn't strong enough to, to get himself back down Camp 2 is very very exposed it's on a pinnacle you can't get a helicopter up there during the night so he spent the night uh, they, they did everything they could oxygen drugs CPR and it wasn't and, enough and it wasn't enough it how was, high is Camp 2? Camp uh, 2 is at 6,000 meters and how high did you get to? 6,000 meters oh you got to yeah, Camp 2 yeah we got to Camp 2 we spent the night and came down so the weather we didn't have the weather window we had already had one casualty on our expedition I think that year there were five in total that wasn't the year that a bunch of people died because they were queuing and they mm, there was an avalanche I think that was the after. year after or the year before that was but incredible. that wasn't on Amadablam anyway that would have been on Everest or yeah. K2 After watching the 14 peaks, uh, that is mentioned. In fact, the, the, that photo, we mentioned it before, that Nims Dai, who you told me you've met. Yeah, we met him on the way to Amadablam. So the, he was, when we did it in 2018, he was getting sponsorship and stuff. And on, in, on, in that year, actually, on November the 11th, he walked up Amadablam and did a little salute up there for remembrance. Wow. So, yeah. Incredible. So you went up to base camp or to camp two and then had to come back. Yes. And you were very disappointed. Yeah. 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 Uh, of After course. gearing up. How yeah. long were you away from Jib for? Uh, over a month. Yeah. So th you've got to fly to Kathmandu, spend a couple of days in Kathmandu sorting your life out. Then you fly from Kathmandu to Lukla if the weather's okay. And then you take you a week to walk up there. And then you'd start doing your rotation. So you can't just climb at this height. I mean, base camp's at 5,000 meters maybe, so maybe a little bit lower, but you're already struggling to breathe, so you have to kind of go up, spend the night, come down, go up. Oh, so you, advanced base camp. You've got to come down and then oh, go yeah. up again. Yeah, What's it like? Climb? What, what do you think? What goes through your head when you are pushing it and you're tired and it's cold? One foot in front of the other. And what goes through your head? How, how, do you, how do you do that? Well, just it. You, have to, you have to turn your brain off and just commit to it. You can't think. It's about you're living in that moment. There's nothing else matters. It's that rope, that carabiner, that juma pulling yourself up. And the ropes are there already? Yeah, so the Sherpas put the fixed ropes in. Uh, they're uh, amazing. Do you know that you talked to me about the Sherpas when you came back from Amadablan and we had and we met up and um, how they, 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 I think you were the first person that said they, they go basically unnoticed because they're there, they're doing all this incredible work for people, but they're not so recognized, are they? This is what Nims is trying to do with 14 Peaks. Yeah, He's trying to put the Nepalese Sherpas out there for so people strong. to realize because whenever like a German or an English or an American Uh, uh, climate gets to the summits they, there's a lot of praise well, but you never hear about the ones who are helping him get there I mean the, the, the team I went with were are quite well known in, in the Himalayas um, mm. Tim Mosdale is, is a quite a, a well known um, European guide one of his Sherpas had climbed Everest 23 times Oh my gosh! Put that into perspective, they, they must times. be. I mean, they must be made to I mean, be able to do that. They would strut around camp. Yeah, yeah. They, they have bigger lungs than I, I think. Anatomically, they are the, the, made like that. The as red a, blood cells are different shape. Yeah, yeah. To to capture more oxygen. You go. You get to Namche Bazaar, which is a magical place. So you see, Namche Bazaar is the Sherpa capital. It's in a valley. All the buildings are painted different colors. Um, there's there's uh, stupas and and Buddhists and Buddhist monuments and stuff. 
and you walk around and you see the little kids with their backpacks going to school. It's, you know, day-to-day. A normal day-to-day. Day. Yeah, yeah. And it's like 5,000 metres high. You know? so, so you'd like to do this again? Yeah, yeah. So, so What's the your plan project, is to go at the end of the year. So uh, I decided that a couple of days ago. I had a chat with Michelle. Um, the, the, so, so when I didn't make it in 2018, 2019, I took as a break. Um, 2020, COVID, it was difficult, so I was going to go 2020. Then, then you had your baby. Yeah, baby, 2021, COVID was still in place. Um, I mean, Michelle and I have an understanding that these things are important to me and, and she will... Support you. Yeah, she will support me. So, so she was happy to for me to go last year, uh, but COVID wasn't quite right. Nepal had gone through a bad patch, um, so yeah. I decided not to. Yeah. Um, it looks like it's going to be okay this year so far. So I've in the sense to of Tim. in the sense of what? Well, uh, COVID the weather. Oh, COVID yeah. related. Yeah, yeah. So, so the quarantining yeah. for stars yeah. is is an extra month out of your life that you're going to be away. Not only that, do you want to add an extra layer of risk to the whole mm. thing when you're, when you're talking that breathing is difficult and throw COVID into the mix in base camp? It just wouldn't be fun. So do you now have to get yourself fit? Yes. So I started training <clears> yesterday. <throat> what does that you're always doing? You're always training anyway. What, yeah, what does that mean? What Do you have to eat running, certain things? Yeah, so or? now I've got to cut all carbs and alcohol out. Um, and start running, and it's all about distance. Just it's all about distance, getting distance getting more distance. Yeah. So it's not about necessarily getting your heart rate high intensity interval training. It wouldn't doesn't work for stuff like this. You have to plod along for hours. So yeah, I've running started, every day. Yeah. So I started with a couch to five kilometers. <laughs> uh, just purely because I've done much running and. Uh, it, it it's about injury avoidance, so you just start nice and gently and, and start and doing that. Are you raising money this time? I don't think so. No, I'm, I'm just. I think I'm going to be very selfish this time. I'm do it purely for myself. I, I need to get this done. And and I I, I, I actually I've, I've met a friend today, and they asked me what what you know what are you going to do after this, and I don't know. Don't know whether this will be my last trip to Nepal. It'll be your worst. Or, or and, you know, and I start going, I start doing stuff in the in the Alps a bit more. Oh, okay. You know, um, which is much more accessible. Have you been to the Alps? Yeah, yeah I've climbed Mont, Mont Blanc and Gran Paradiso in the Alps. Um, okay. It's just a lot of fun. And the other thing that you that I've been seeing on Facebook and Instagram that you've been doing is flying. That's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> is that a hobby or do you want? No, that's a hobby. That's that's purely for me. I, I I've always. So, when I was very young, I wanted to be a pilot. That was okay. always my dream. Um, then I joined the army, and you know, I, I mean, at the time when I first joined the army, I wanted to go to UK and join the Paris and jump out of aeroplanes and stuff like that. But I met a girl, and you know, things get in the way. So, so I stayed here. And then halfway through my army career in 2000, um, I decided to try for the army echo to fly helicopters. Because um, I've always wanted to be a pilot, so so you know I, I wasn't successful with that. So one of the very few things I haven't been successful with. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of yeah took that a step back, and, and thought, it's always niggled at you. And it's always so. This is, was a very cheap, accessible way to become a pilot. So what did you do? What did you do? So uh, because I wasn't going to Amadabla, I cancelled my. I postponed my Amadabla trip this year. I thought I need something to do, and some <laughs> other guys down at the climbing wall was telling me, "Ah, oh, learn to fly, learn to fly, because uh, you can climb up a mountain and jump off." 
launch off. Don't yeah. Jump. Um, so I had a look at it and and decided to do the course. So I went to Algodon Alice, which is a couple of hours away, which mm. is one of the best places in the in the world to learn to fly. Um, but what do you fl- course. What, what do you fly? It's a it- paraglider. Ah, that's right. It's not um, a plane. No, no, it's a paraglider. Still a pilot. Ah, okay. So I bought all the gear, bought the course, <laughs> the accommodation, everything, and and off you went. And two weeks, and now I'm a I'm a club pilot now. So yeah. So now waiting for the wind to pick up so I can go flying. So you can fly. You can paraglide. Yes. And can, you can't do it around here, then? No, there's an airport, so it's ah. restricted airspace. Ah, so you have there's, to... There's pl- uh, uh, a recognised place in Veher, so I've, I've been there a couple of times. Um, I'm, I became a member of the club, so it's 25 euros a year, so it's worth it, it's nothing. And it's can you take people, or is it just no, for just you? just me. They take people there, so if anybody's interested, give, ah. us a, give us a shout and I'll put you in touch with them. And how much would it cost, like for a day, like a day I trip? Think I think they charge sixty euros. That's all right. For a it's tandem, quite fun. London flight. I mean, yeah. And if you wanted, like, so a, you an go experience, on your own. You I go on. Yeah, yeah. I'm a qualified pilot, so a very inexperienced qualified pilot. So I always listen to what other people have to say. Mm. Um, and then, yeah. So I, I did a now six. 15-minute flight the other day in, in Veher. And how high, do you, how high is it? It was about 300 metres above takeoff. It wasn't very high because it's a soaring site, so the, the dynamics work like that. So you can you can go Higher. a few thousand feet up. And is the breathing okay up there? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's fine. It's and what's it like? Not, it wasn't it too very cold. It's amazing. Yeah, just layer up. Put some gloves it's up. amazing. It's amazing. Is I can't it? describe it. Does it give you like wow. a, the same buzz that you get when you climb it's, a mountain? Yeah, yeah. it's. It, I mean, everybody thinks, oh, these are extreme sports. These aren't extreme sports because if if what? there's adrenaline flowing, you've done something wrong. But they're dangerous in the sense that it could it could all collapse oh, yeah, and if, you if, could if, kill yourself. Yeah, 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 basically, sure, you've got a reserve parachute. I mean, so. it's not for every. It's not. For, yeah, you have a reserve parachute, but there isn't always that Absol- element of. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's that's why that's why we do it, isn't it? Well, yeah. Um, same as the mountaineering. Yep, for because sure. Because there's a risk involved, and it's about mitigating that risk and putting, making that risk as low as you can. And it's that knowledge dispels fear that I was on about before. Yeah. If you know your equipment is working, you've checked it, you've done your pre-flight checks. Yeah, there's no reason for it not why to work. Why would it fail? So what's next for you? Um, Apart I, from Mama Dublin. I think we've got some into adventures projects coming along and I'm, I'm hoping that they get off the ground and we're going to be investing a lot of time in that Anna Dublin training for that yeah I said I know you said not to mention it but it is a big thing and that's yep. at, in November so I'll be doing a lot of running a lot of pull-ups and where can we sit-ups. follow you um, Instagram or I'm, yeah I'm on Instagram and, and on Facebook I won't be posting much yet because mm. still, <laughs> my, my training is not very impressive at the no, moment. No, but I mean, when you go go to Amadablan, oh, it yeah. would be ex- really interesting, yeah, especially I mean, to see. Last time I went, I made a like a site, like I know. a vlog thing, and yes. you know, I posted it on a daily basis, and I'd probably do something similar. But well, internet access, Wi-Fi access, isn't always. Well, I for good, one, yeah. I'm very excited, and I wish you all the best. We haven't quite finished yet, just in case you were off the hook. I have to ask you two questions, okay. which are probably quite hard for you to answer. One question is, I see your Black Sabbath t-shirt on. If you had a song that has carried, has been with you through the good and the bad, through the ugly and the pretty, what would it be? One song that kind of not defines you, but that wow. you love. 
Wow. It's quite a big. That is a very yeah. big question. Yeah. I know very you like question. your Iron Maiden. I do. I do. Um, I suppose. I mean, I've got a very eclectic musical taste. Um, I'm not into pop. I like heavy metal and a bit of classical and stuff. I mean, I, I don't know. That's a really. It's different. <laughs> One song. Maybe different occasions or on different. Moods. Yeah. What do you listen to when you climb a mountain? Do you listen to anything? Yeah, yeah. Usually heavy metal because it, it, it helps you go. I mean, if you're doing anything technical, you tend not to. So if, if you're walking, you would. But if you're not, if you're doing anything technical, you tend not to um, listen, to, listen anything. to anything. And and a lot of the time, you don't want to spoil the atmosphere anyway. Um, I suppose because it was probably... The first one of the first songs I heard that inspired me, I think it'd have to be Number of the Beast Number from Iron Maiden. Maiden. Yeah, yeah, because it was the first record I bought. The first, it was a cassette tape, the first <laughs> cassette tape I bought, and it was just wow, what's okay. this? That's good. Uh, sure. And the last question, which is quite hard, is okay. describe me in three words. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, bubbly. Yeah, um, you can say whatever you want. I'm not gonna generous. Okay. And a friend. That's two words. Thank you very much. James, it's been an honour for me to have you here and I wish you all the very best. Thank you very much. It's been a privilege. Yeah. You've been listening to On the Sofa with Rouge, a series of talks where I talk to friends and family about all the interesting things they've been getting up to. A massive shout out to Charlie Hurst, my sound engineer, who's done an incredible job of putting this podcast together. His website is soundunit.co.uk, should you want to get in touch with him. And also a massive shout out to Beatrice Garcia, who's a very accomplished artist and who's beautifully designed the logo for this uh, icon, for this podcast. And her website is Beatrice garcia.com thanks a lot for listening please get in touch rougejib at gmail.com if you want to let me know uh, what you thought of my podcast and uh, how i could improve and please 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 tune in because more podcasts are being dropped all the time